0: You are a good and gracious Father, as we just saying. Uh, deser- deserving of a greater glory, uh, God. We we have gathered here this morning to glorify Your name, to make much of You, um, and as Pastor Cleet just said, even us being under the preaching of uh, this Word. Uh, pray that it is an act of sweet worship unto you. So, Lord, give us the um, eyes to see and the ears to hear. Um, God, may my brothers and sisters hear from you this morning, Uh, not from me, uh, but through your word, may they hear from you. Uh, Be with us, may you be glorified. In Christ's name, amen. 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 If I asked you this morning, how well are you protected? How well are you protected? How would you answer that question? Um, maybe you would ask some clarifying questions or have some clarifying questions. And you know, wondering, you know, am, I, am I asking, or is, is he? Is he asking how physically protected I am? Uh, is my family? Is, uh, is he asking about how secure my house is? Or um, what type of home security system do I have? I know. Is he asking how secure my possessions and my assets are? Is he asking me about what type of insurance policies I have? Um, could he be asking me about cybersecurity? Uh, as a brother, uh, Leo is, is well versed in. You know, am I at risk of identity theft? I think... I think the variety of ways that this question can be answered shows us how much we do care about being protected in all the different ways we want to be protected. Now, there may be varying degrees of how much we care about a certain aspect of our lives being protected and what we want protected. But I think it's safe to say, to some extent, we all seek and desire some, some, some form of protection. Even when it comes to spiritual matters, we value Spiritual protection. Um, to be honest with you, uh, before preparing for this message, I hadn't given much thought about the, the connection between godly wisdom and protection. I've prayed for spiritual protection for myself, for those around me, um, numerous of times. But if I was honest with you, I think when I've prayed for spirit protection, often in my mind, and I think it's maybe even subconscious, um, I have in mind some sort of force field that is impenetrable. I'm praying for this force field, and I'm praying that God would somehow, somehow prevent evil things from happening in my life, my family's life, over my house, or something like that. And on the other hand, when it comes to wisdom, I primarily primarily think of it as a means uh, to to guidance, decision-making, how to navigate through difficult life circumstances, situations. And so there's a little bit of a disconnect with protection and wisdom. And as we continue in our sermon series in Proverbs, and we'll be going over chapter 2 today, my hope is that we will see the connection between godly wisdom and spiritual protection. And the main idea for today's message is simply this. Seek God's wisdom and protection through his word. Seek God's wisdom and protection through his word. First, we're going to see the call to pursue wisdom through God's word. And then we'll look at the two consequences to the pursuit of wisdom, both which actually are paired with the same blessings, which are wisdom and protection. And last, we'll focus on God's protection over his people through his word. So again, the main idea for today's message is seek God's wisdom and protection through your word or through God's word. So let's first look at the call to pursue wisdom through God's word. Let's read uh, this Proverbs 2, uh, Proverbs 2 verses 1 through 4. My son, if you receive my words... And treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Stop right there. What we clearly see here is that call to pursue wisdom, but specifically to do that through God's word. And I believe there's, it, it's not a coincidence that we see Solomon calling his son to pursue wisdom, but to first receive his word and treasure up his commandments. The Hebrew word translated as treasure up, as we see in our text today, it's the same word that the psalmist uses in Psalm 119 when he says, I have stored up your word in my heart. It literally means to... To hide, that's where you get to hide your word in my heart, or to keep close. He's emphasizing the importance of being immersed in God's word. And verse 2 reads, making your your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to wisdom. Here we see that there is this inward change and an internalizing of God's word. And when you get to verse 3, where it says, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding... Um, in chapter 1, we saw uh, Lady Wisdom's call to wisdom. And here we see the, the one that is doing the crying out for wisdom is actually, and should be, the son. So we see this, this stark contrast to the fools who rejected Lady's wisdom, Lady Wisdom's call. But in, in contrast to that, what we see is a, a, a desire and a desperation, crying out to God in prayer for wisdom and understanding. Lastly, in verse 4, it says, If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, we see that heart's desire, that desperation in action. The actual seeking out and digging for what he believes is valuable, it's worth giving his time and effort. And this reminds us of Jesus' parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. Where the man sells everything he has to buy the field where he found the treasure. And we see that the merchant sells all of his possessions to buy that pearl. Why? Because it had great value. Brothers and sisters, it all starts with our correct view of God's word. Do we truly believe the 66 books in the Bible to be the inerrant word of God through which he speaks to his people? Is it worth reading? Is it worth searching, seeking? Is it worth investing our time and energy to study? Is it worth hiding in our hearts through memorization? Do we see it as silver and hidden treasure? Do we pray asking God to reveal his wisdom through his word? And how long do we spend, how much time do we spend in God's word in prayer, asking for wisdom before we start searching for the books and the podcasts and the seminars and the people that can give us, quote-unquote, sound biblical advice. I couldn't help but to think of, um, of, of, of today's message just in preparation during last week's message from Pastor Mike Moses when he talked about our unhealthy dependence on our Christian parents, mentors, even pastors when it comes to our Spiritual growth. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have those figures in our lives. Um, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer of, as it says in the King James, a multitude of counselors. I think, if anything, we need to do more of that to seek wisdom from those around us, and especially our own pastors, because our pastors aren't just spirit, spiritual influencers. They're not just mentors, but they have spiritual authority. Yet time and time again, I see Christians making pretty significant decisions in life and come to pretty heavy theological conclusions without receiving much, if any, counsel from their pastors. So no, I believe in the multitude of counselors. But the question is, where do we go first and go to the most? Are your decisions and convictions a result of you mainly laboring in the word and prayer? Or are they dependent on, maybe even heavily dependent on, Christian authors, leaders, other spiritual mentors, and friends around us? And dare I say, does it start with and ultimately end with a piece about it in your heart? Can we briefly talk about having a peace about something? I want to be clear. God promises his people peace. And we should be a people that place our hope in the peace of God. There's no questioning of the importance of the peace of God. And if there's any questioning of that, that would be foolish. That being said, too often I hear... Fellow brothers and sisters saying that a feeling of uneasiness in their spirit somehow indicates that something is not right or not of God. At the same time, this feeling of peace or ease confirms something that is surely right or of God or from God. But there is a lacking of a scriptural foundation for that decision or conviction. In other words, how a person feels is the primary lens through which they go about their lives, whether they like to admit it or not. I'm sorry to break the news to you, brothers and sisters, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that the feeling of peace or some kind of internal conviction is the ultimate source of confirmation that something is from God. When the Apostle Paul talks about the peace that surpasses all understanding, God's peace is not something that enables us to do whatever that feels right in our hearts. I mean, can you imagine if we lived our lives where we did everything that just felt right? But it's the peace that guards our minds, guards our hearts in what? In Christ Jesus. It's about doing it Jesus' way through his word. And the only thing that we can be certain is from God is his word. And I came across this quote in my time of preparation, and it's pretty convicting, to say the least. Uh, It says, quote, Christians, we need to stop saying, because I have a piece about X, X is God's will. Instead, let's say something like, I have prayed about X, attempted to study X with sound hermeneutics, Approach my spiritual shepherds who will not flatter me but love me with the truth about X for advice. And though it is a battle inside, and this is the harder decision, I think that I need to submit to Scripture on this issue so as to submit to God. And may my good God help me do so in faith. End quote. Think about how different our approach to wisdom would be if we followed a, a pattern or a habit, something. Similar to this. Brothers and sisters, we all know what it's like to go after something, to pursue something with a sense of urgency because of how valuable that thing is. Um, anyone here lose a wallet before? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Set of keys? Yeah. Never a phone, though, right? It's never a phone. Never a phone. Uh, if, if you're married, anyone lose their wedding ring uh, several times in the first few months of marriage and have to order a new one only to find it the next day after ordering it? That would be me. That would be, be me. Any other expensive jewelry? Um, parents, have you ever had to look for that? comfort blanket or that stuffed animal that you absolutely have to pack because if you don't, it's going to be a long night or a long trip trying to comfort that child in severe emotional distress. I don't know if you guys met Big Feet in the Lee household. It's the the hippo for Gabby. Um, Have you pursued a degree, a job, uh, a career? Do you have financial goals? Have you pursued a relationship? I think we all understand what it's like to pursue something with a sense of urgency because of the value. So what does your pursuit of wisdom through his word look like? Our lack of effort in our pursuit may not only be a sign of complacency, but also indicative of how little we actually value God's word. Brothers and sisters, God is calling his people back to the basics. Lady Wisdom is crying out to read, to read the scriptures, to search the scriptures, to meditate on the scriptures, to memorize the scriptures, to pray through the scriptures, and to pray for wisdom in the scriptures. To seek it like silver and to search for it as for hidden treasure. We must pursue the wisdom of God through his word. Now that we've established the importance of our pursuit of God's word, we can see the results or the consequences of such a pursuit. So let's look at verse 5 and verse 9 of Proverbs 2. Verse 5 says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. So what are the results of the pursuit of wisdom? Simply put, it is the right view of God and being in a right relationship with people, having a right understanding of the world. So the first result is right view of God, or as it says in verse 5, understanding the fear of the Lord and finding the knowledge of God. As Pastor Mike said in the opening message of our series, the fear of the Lord is, uh, is in holy awe. Of God or, or holy reverence and it's it's to have such an awe or reverence for God because who he truly is and he says to be in his word it is a reverence for God not simply one that gives someone the the the, the feels and the fuzzies on a Sunday morning through a song and certainly we should be moved in our time of of praise but it's one that ultimately changes hearts it sets the trajectory of people's lives. So we see in chapter two, that the fear of the Lord is the goal or the end of knowledge. And that's why when Pastor Mike said that the fear of the Lord, when he says that it's the beginning of knowledge, it doesn't mean that it's just a checking off of a box and it's the beginning, but it's actually the foundation on which we find and seek knowledge. So all wisdom hinges and flows out of our holy reverence of God. And there's just simply no way, no way around this. In order to know God, the triune God of the Bible, in order to grow in our knowledge of him and our love for him, in order to properly respect him, to live in full submission to him and his discipline, to worship him through all aspects of our lives, we must be in the word. We must search the scriptures and meditate on God's word. And it is the pursuit of wisdom... Through his word that leads to the fear of the Lord and it is the fear of the Lord that drives our continuing pursuit of his wisdom so are you seeking God do you have unanswered questions some angst are you confused maybe frustrated maybe even angry with what has happened in your life or what you see in the world Seek and search wisdom through God's word, and you will find him there because he will meet you there. So the first result of our pursuit of wisdom is right view of God. And second is the understanding of righteousness, justice, and equity, whereas Solomon summarizes it, every good path or every path of good. It is this being in right relationship with others and properly understanding the world. Now, while this result is also the result of our pursuing God's word, it's important that we remember this comes after the understanding of the fear of the Lord. So when Jesus gave the great commandment in Matthew 22, he says that loving God with your heart, soul, and mind is the great and first commandment, and then the second command is to love your neighbor as yourself. It has to be in that order. So our love for God, Our fear of the Lord must be the foundation of our love for people and how we relate to people. And this all connects back to how much we value the word of God and how we search the scriptures like hidden treasure. Because if we believe that the scriptures are God's revealed word to us, then it should be the primary source from which we understand the world. And our correct perception of who God is and what he says in his word must be the foundation to how we relate to one another even how we define defined terms like righteousness, justice, goodness, equity. Now, there's so much more that we can talk about that, but there's still a lot to cover, so I'm just, I'm just going to keep it going. Just, and, and to wrap up this point of, of the, the results from pursuing God's word, I just want to reemphasize the importance of our correct view of God and of the world being a result of our active pursuit of wisdom. Through his word. So far we've looked at. God's call to us to pursue wisdom. Through his word. With a sense of urgency. And we just saw. The diligent pursuit of God's. Wisdom through his word. Resulting in right view of God. And right living with people. Now what you may have noticed. Well, when uh, Pastor Charles. Read uh, verses 1 through 11. Is that. Both of those consequences or results are actually paired with the same blessings, which are wisdom and protection. So let's talk about that, the blessings of wisdom and protection. So the first blessing is wisdom. And going back to verse 5, 5 through 8, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Actually, I'll I'll stop right there. What we plainly see here is it is God who gives wisdom. Nowhere in the text, at least in Proverbs 2, does it say that to those who seek wisdom will find wisdom. But what it does say is that the Lord gives wisdom. What it does say is that knowledge and understanding comes from his mouth. It says that God is the one who stores up sound wisdom. For the upright and because godly wisdom is god's good and gracious gift to us as we sing about today and as we desperately seek and search for that wisdom through his word he gives it to those who seek it the continuing growth in our understanding of the fear of the lord our our love for him and our knowledge of him is only made possible it is only possible because god is the one who gives wisdom it is from his mouth his words through which we find knowledge and understanding. We also see the the wisdom internalized in our hearts being, uh, that is how uh, we have right living. We see that God, the, the wisdom that is internalized in our hearts, producing the right living. Verse 10, for wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. God is the one who gives us first the new heart, that heart of flesh to desire his wisdom and to live according to his commands. And living in obedience, pursuing wisdom, no longer becomes a burden or a task, but it is a joy and a privilege. It reminds us of Jesus' words from the Beatitudes when he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, while we pursue his wisdom, It is ultimately God who gives wisdom and a desire for wisdom. I I heard a brother uh, read James 1 5 today. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Given how foolish and rebellious we actually are all the time, what a blessing it is that we are simply called to obedience and sound wisdom will be stored up for us. And this infinitely wise God who graciously gives his people all the wisdom and knowledge, all of that that they need to rightly worship him and rightly live with his people also promises that he will protect them. God will protect his people. We'll look at the second half of verse 7 and 8. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. It is godly wisdom that will guard us. We look at verse 11. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. As we accept God's word as the truth, as we memorize and internalize his word, as we pray and ask for wisdom, as we seek and search it like is the most valuable thing that we could possibly own, it is through that wisdom that God watches over and guards his people. From from what? Or from whom does it protect us? Let's look at verse 12. Delivering you from the way of evil from men of perverted speech. Verse 16. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman from the adulteress with her smooth words. Now, who are these men of perverted speech and the forbidden woman, the adulteress? Who are these people? I mean, they certainly include actual men and women who are evil in their own ways. Um, Certainly, both women and women who have not only left their own spouses, but have led others to leave their spouses. But I believe, more broadly speaking, I believe these people are representative of just evil, all evil from which we need protection. And again, there's a lot more that we can say about them, but I do want to focus on just two, two characteristics of the evil men and women as described in our text today. One is perverted speech, and the other is their path to destruction. First, perverted speech. Again, going back to verse 12, it says that, uh, they're men of perverted speech. In verse 16 it says that the adulteress will um, be delivered from the, the adulteress with her smooth words. Perverse speech here refers to a willful misrepresentation that which is good and true. A willful misrepresentation that, of that which is good and true. And the smooth speech refers to a enticing and deceptive speech. These are words that Claim to be from God, that are actually not from God because he never said them. Their scriptures used or quoted out of context, in isolation, or misapplied, the twisting of God's word. They are views and ideas of the world that sound good, but actually are in direct opposition to a biblical worldview. Godly wisdom, through his word, guards our minds and our hearts from such speech and it's so alarming to see all the conversations and the, the debates um, or re- regarding some of these hot button topics uh, the current events from Christians and even amongst Christians when there's such a lack of wrestling with the scriptures to make a biblical case for their convictions now a quick google search is a, is a good start But simply quoting of a Bible verse in and of itself often falls well short of what God actually intended to say to his people. Brothers and sisters, it's a battle of words. It's it's always been a battle of words as we see from the beginning of the history of man. Where in the garden, Adam and Eve were deceived by the words of the serpent his perverted speech, and enticing words as he misquotes God. The temptation from the adulteress, it's not from her physical features. It is her smooth words that eventually lead to an adulterous relationship with a forbidden man or a woman. And Again, again, this is why we need to immerse ourselves in the Word of God, to read it, to meditate on it, to memorize it. Because if we don't know what is true and what he has actually revealed to us through his word, how are we going to distinguish between what is God's word and what is not? We become more vulnerable to the believing in and accepting of ungodly words. And we become more susceptible to the enticement of the sinners as we saw from chapter 1. So the first is a perverted Speech, uh, what we should guard ourselves from. Second characteristic of the evil man, evil men and women, is their path that leads to destruction. Path that leads to destruction. And it is the path of the men with perverted speech and the forbidden woman is death. And our text makes that very clear. Their evil ways are not just harmful but they lead to destruction and not only leads to their own destruction but to the destruction of those around them verse 15 we see a crooked path verse 18 and 19 for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed none who go to her come back nor do they regain the path of life The word for forbidden that we see in verse 16 literally means to be strange or foreign. So you may think, oh, it's referring to a uh, a foreigner, a non-Israelite. But what actually makes her foreign or strange is not her nationality or ethnicity, but it is because she's an adulterer who not only abandons her spouse, but also forgets the covenant that she made before God. By essence, abandoning her covenant before God. She's actually an Israelite. Someone based on ethnicity has the looks of someone who is part of the family. And this should be such a sobering warning to all of us that there can be someone in our fold today that looks the part, says all the right things, uses all the right buzzwords, seems to have good character, virtuous, sacrificial, very giving yet actually is a wolf in sheep's clothing, smoothly leading people to destruction. So whatever counsel or advice that we receive, regardless of how well this person is respected, is trustworthy, however trustworthy that the source may be, they all must be examined and tested by the words of God. You must be like the Bereans who received the message from, from Paul. It says with great eagerness. They were excited. But they also examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Um, we say that you know, we are in a midst of spiritual warfare, that this is a spiritual battle. And I wonder if we've come to falsely believe that God God's protection is, I mentioned, this force field, an impenetrable force field uh, that somehow guarantees an absence of suffering and adversity. And we call it warfare, that it's a battle, and we nonchalantly you know, quote Ephesians 6, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, and you know, it's against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And, and we, we expect peace. And yes, we should be confident in God's protection over his people, but not because he promised us some cushy life free from battle, but because he is our shield in the midst of battle, because he has given us the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, that will protect us from path of destruction. The Apostle Paul also encourages the Ephesian church to take up the shield of faith in all circumstances. Why? Because it will... But because with it, they will extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. That is why we should rest and be confident in God's protection. We need protection from being led to the path of death. What we need is the truth of the gospel. What we need is the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. What we need are his words treasured up in our hearts so that in that moment of ambush or attack, we're ready. We have his wisdom stored up to say yes to godliness and no to sin. You don't want a, a security system that, that takes a long time to process the sound before the alarm goes off when, when there's a broken window. Right? You, don't, you don't want a dog, uh, hopefully this is not your dog, you don't want a dog that just sits there and looks out the window when he sees a stranger that is trying to break into the house. You want the alarm to go off immediately. You want the dog to start barking immediately. So how foolish is it for us to seek God's protection over our lives, our families, our homes, our communities, when we don't go to the actual source of wisdom, which is his word, through which God provides protection. Brothers and sisters, our seeking of wisdom through his word is a matter of death or life. Let's go back to verse 19. It says, none who go to her, the forbidden, the forbidden woman, come back, nor do they regain the path of life. None of us here should be so comfortable with our lacking in wisdom. Because if it means wisdom is a means of protection, then lack of wisdom means lack of protection. And lack of protection means that we are vulnerable more vulnerable to the attacks injuries maybe even death and i'm not talking about a physical one yes it's true god can save anyone there's no sin that god would not forgive for those who repent of their sin and turn from their old ways but this path to destruction should really be a warning to those of us who have unrepentant sin to continue to walk in sin those who continue to walk in the ways of darkness and don't even realize that you are on the path, the crooked path, the sinking down to death. And if you've gotten too comfortable with your complacency, let's go back to the end of chapter one. It says that the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. May we not treat God's word word, like that comfort blanket that we look for only when we want to be comforted, only when we're seeking peace, but instead, may we search it, may we seek it, like our life depends on it, because it does. May we seek God's wisdom and protection through His Word. And I'm coming to close. Uh, for those of you who have yet to repent of your sin, to believe in the saving works of Christ, have yet to fully surrender your lives to follow him, to pick up your cross daily, If that's you. I pray today, that today, not tomorrow, not after the 4th of July party, but that today is the day of your salvation. That today is the day that you commit your life to follow Christ. But I also pray that This path to death we see in Proverbs 2 is truly a wake-up call for all of us, that we would have a sense of urgency in our pursuit of wisdom through his word, that we would be prepared to properly respond to the perverted speech and the smooth speech, to resist from doing evil. Let's be honest. Our appetite for God's word fluctuates. Sometimes it is pleasant to our souls as we read in Proverbs 2. And other times it's more like the tasteless wafers we'll soon be taking during communion. And far too often, they're like the multivitamins that we forget to take. We struggle to feast on and memorize his word. And really based on all the ways that we've failed to live according to his word we actually seem better fit the description of the wicked or the, the man with the perverted speech. And it says that the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Maybe sometimes you wonder if we are actually on the path of death. We certainly are called to pursue his word. That is the main message of today. Seek God's wisdom and protection Through His Word, and I pray that we are all challenged by that. But we must not forget that it is a journey. We see over and over again: there is the path, Uh, there are ways. You'll you'll see it all um, throughout—not just Proverbs two, but all throughout the the Book of Proverbs—you'll see the path being a theme. So we heard last week from Pastor Mike Moses that there is this process of sanctification, our continuing to grow in the likeness of our Savior. It's a lifelong journey until Christ returns. It is like it is like a race. I, I know uh, sometime last year I preached a, some analogy of like a marathon, running of a race. And yeah, there are uphills and downhills, right? There's some straight paths, sharp turns. There'll be moments. Again, I think I, I, I confess that the, the, when I ran a half marathon, I never experienced the, the, the runner's high that everyone talks about. There's such a thing as a runner's high. You know, but but maybe you experienced that, right? You're running and you're just in awe of like God's creation and being faithful for this able body to run. And maybe there are times also that you're just hurting. That was me most of the time. I was just hurting and, you know, you need to refuel, take a break, and I probably should have taken a break. You wonder if you're going to actually make it. But thanks be to God that the finishing of the race does not depend on how hard we work. We can rest in the work of Jesus Christ, who is the word. While we are called to pursue him, really he is the one that pursues us as the widow seeks the lost coin. And the shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one lost sheep. We trust in Christ who is wisdom in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's from Colossians 2. Those of us who have truly surrendered our lives to Christ, we can surely be confident that it is his spirit that will empower us, that will give us the desire to pursue God's word, that he will guide us, that he will give us understanding to grow in our love for and knowledge of God. It was during his ministry on earth when he reminded his disciples to have a reverence for God, to have the fear of the Lord, when he taught them to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That was what Jesus taught his disciples and what he continues to teach us today. It is his sacrificial love displayed on the cross that even enables us to give us hope to love our neighbors as ourselves, to be in right relationship with one another. And unlike Adam in the garden who folded, who crumbled at the serpent's smooth words, Jesus, the second Adam, had God's word treasured up in his heart. He was able to resist the perverted yet enticing speech of the devil through what? Through God's word while he was fasting in the wilderness. He made the most important decision, not only of his life, but really for all of mankind. That wasn't based on his feelings. There was a lot of angst and pain. But he did it in obedience to God, according to the word. Why? Why do you do that? So that we will be delivered from the way of the evil and from the forbidden woman. That we would walk in the way of good and keep to the paths of the righteous. And when God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that we would become the what? The righteousness of God. That's when our status as the upright, as we see in in, in our text today, as those who walk in integrity, as the justice or the just or as his saints, our status as that, as God's people, was sealed. And we can believe that he will hold us fast to the finish line, that we would inhabit this inherited land of peace, true peace and prosperity. So brothers and sisters, may we all seek God's wisdom and protection through his word because our lives depend on it I want to close by reading Psalm 19 verses 1 through 16 you can keep your eyes closed you can open them but this is Psalm 19 verses 1 through 16 and then I'll pray after that blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord blessed are those who keep his testimonies who seek him with their whole heart who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all of your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Let's pray. Lord, may that uh, the words from the psalmist uh, be our testimony. I pray that we would seek you, seek your wisdom, as we dig through, study, meditate on your word. God, again, may you give us the, the eyes and ears to hear from you. Lord, we want to run to your word. This is where you speak to your people today. I don't know how this, this word lands, but God, I pray that if, if, if anything, if anything that we would all leave today freshly convicted, Challenge and encourage to read your word, to commit to finding you, seeking you through your word. Uh, Jesus, we need you. Uh, I think we'll be singing about that um, later after we take the Lord's supper. God, uh, may may you may you do what you got to do uh, for us to walk just an inch closer in the image of your Son. May you be glorified in Christ's name, Amen. Um. We're going to transition.